Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. Most of what we talk about on this show relates to passive real estate investing. Anything from acquisition to management, to taxes, to retirement accounts, to market selection, neighborhood selection, all that good stuff. And some of that does apply to active real estate investing, where you're more actively involved and take greater responsibility. But I don't think I've ever done a show or an episode where we compare and contrast the different strategies related to active real estate investing and compare that at least at a high level, to you as an investor on the passive side. And so this episode is really dedicated to learning more about the different ways and methods and strategies about active real estate investing, not so much to teach you how to do it, but what it is and what's involved and how that compares the pros and cons to passive real estate investing. Now, that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. There's pros and cons, and you could argue and debate both, and everybody has their preference. However, they have a different end result. Some are very short-term, some are long-term in terms of the investment horizon. How they're treated from a tax perspective is different. Short-term capital gains versus long-term capital gains. Active real estate investors purchase and renovate, typically. There's other strategies, but purchase and renovate properties to flip them, to resell them as quickly as possible to maximize their profits. Sometimes they do the same, but hold them in their portfolio. These investors are involved usually in every part of the deal, from selection to obtaining financing to personally guaranteeing the loan and managing the investment. Basically, the investor is hands-on actively participating in making the investment pay off. Obviously, active investing is significant from an undertaking perspective, so it's very involved. And house flipping is essentially a full-time job for many people, while renting out the property may require less time especially if the investor hires a management company, but essentially you're rolling up your sleeves and getting involved in the many facets or parts that are involved in that process. So there is a difference. And for many people, they may love all the different strategies on the active side, but for many people, they prefer to buy and hold and build a passive portfolio. And that may start with active real estate investing and transition into uh, more of a passive role. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So with that, I'm going to introduce my guest who's going to talk to us about everything that he has done. And he has a very interesting story. So we're going to get to that here in just 30 seconds. Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. It's my pleasure to welcome Joe McCall to the show. Joe has flipped over 100 properties. I'm sure it's a lot more than that now. And he's helped students flip hundreds more. He loves doing deals and is coaching students all over the place. And they love doing the same. Joe invests across multiple markets from his home in St. Louis, Missouri. 
He is an avid family man. He enjoys spending time with his family, going to the zoo, golfing with his boys, swimming with his girls. And Joe believes the greatest part of this business is that he gets to do this stuff while working wherever he wants and whenever he wants. So with that, Joe, welcome to the show. Marco, how you doing, man? Doing great. Great having you on. You're kind of an anomaly, you know? It's great to finally be on your show. You have a great podcast, and uh, I've been following you for quite some time. And I was really, really honored when uh, your office contacted me. I appreciate that. Well, it's my honor to have you on. We have a lot of friends in common, actually, and I've seen your name floating around. And I think we have a lot of associates that are in different mastermind groups that we know of. We were talking about that before the recording. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like We have the same problem of there's so many good masterminds out there. It's hard to pick one or two or three to be a part of. I used to be a part of like four. And just in the last year, I've cut it down to two. One that is more marketing focused and one that is more general business leadership focused. And yeah, there's a lot of good masterminds out there, isn't there? There really are. And for those listening, most people, I think, listening to the show know what a mastermind group is. And if you're not familiar with it, read the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and you'll quickly understand. But it's just an amazing way to accelerate you as a person, your personal development, and even your investing in professional careers. Wouldn't you agree with that, Joe? Well, totally. And, you know, in fact, I even started one here in St. Louis that was a local mastermind once a month, and it's invite only. And I invited all the local wholesalers. One of the things we're going to be talking about is how I do active real estate investing. So I contacted as many active wholesalers as I could that were actively doing deals here in St. Louis. And I said, hey, would you guys like to get together for once a month and just mastermind? And I was really reluctant. I didn't know many people would, if anybody would say yes, they would be worried about sharing their secrets. But on average, we get 15 people to attend. There's been times when we will have up to 30 And uh, it's pretty crazy because once you're in the meeting with these competitors, quote unquote, we actually do a lot of deals with each other, right? Some guys will be looking for deals. Some guys will have deals already. They're looking for buyers. Some guys will have money to lend. Some of them are just like, hey, you know what? I know that street. I know that area. Let me give you some good advice. This is what you should do. Sometimes they partner on deals and co-wholesale them together. But like, I love masterminds and I encourage people all the time, even if you can't join one or travel to go to one, start one in your market with other peers. If you're listening to this and you have rentals, if you're a landlord, there's those real estate investment clubs and those are good, but sometimes they're way too big, right? And because I made this invite only, it had this exclusive feel to it. And I jokingly called it the syndicate. I wanted it to be think of as like a syndicate, but that hints too much for like collusion or whatever. And it's not like that at all, but it's pretty cool to be parts of groups like that, where there's other people that are smarter and better than you are. Yeah. You just described the benefits of being in a mastermind group. It's like-minded people that are helping each other and you're growing together. So beautiful. So Joe, I was starting to say before, you're kind of an anomaly being on this show. I mean, a great guest and certainly warmly welcomed. But at the end of the day, most of what we talk about is how do we invest from a passive perspective? But I thought it'd be great to have you on. And the reason we reached out to you, I had my assistant reach out to you is because I needed someone who could provide some contrast and comparison and discussion to everything that we're calling passive real estate investing. So I may end up titling this episode, Active Real Estate Investing with Joe. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to cover the gamut. Everybody talks about flipping because there's all these darn flipping shows on HGTV and everywhere else. So let's talk about wholesaling. Let's talk about flipping. Let's talk about 
lease options, private lending. Let's differentiate between that stuff. I'm going to guide you through this stuff, but let's start off with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are. Yeah, man. So my background's in civil engineering. I'm in my mid-40s, 45 years old, actually. You don't look a day over 32. Yeah, I know. Thanks. (laughs) I went to Iowa State University, got a degree in civil engineering. I've always been kind of technically inclined, and I love systems and stuff like that. And so I got an engineering job, building power plants kind of all over the country, and My first taste of real estate investing was after we bought my house, like three months later, my company transferred me out to California for a job, big power plant. And we rented our house out that we just bought. And that tenant was a nightmare. It was horrible. And that job was only supposed to be two years long. It was only 10 months long. So I had to come back to Kansas City and there was still two months left in the lease. And I was just completely frustrated. I hired a property management company they were a good property management company, but I wasn't expecting to pay all of the fees that I had to pay. So it was always tight every month. The rent was always rent late every month. And the property management company keeps the late fees. I didn't get those late fees. And the tenants were always constantly calling about something that was broken or breaking and they had to get fixed. So after that traumatic experience, I said, I'm never going to have rental properties again. And I just did a podcast myself recently about this because I was down in Austin, Texas, just a few days ago, uh, visiting some of my wife's family, having a good time there. And I remembered back in 2004 or five, driving down to Austin. And because a friend of a friend had told me about this guy who was building some duplexes and managing them and selling them to investors. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. But I was like recalling all of my nightmare tenant stories. But the guy, it was really cool. I didn't buy anything, you know, when I was down there. I wished I would have because back then property values have dramatically increased. And it was in a really good area close to the city and stuff. But anyway, he recommended two books to me. One of them is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And of course, everybody's read that. But he recommended another book to me called The Secrets of a Millionaire Landlord. And that book really opened my eyes because I realized, you know, if you manage your properties correctly, if you are more proactive instead of always being reactive, it's really not that bad. So I kind of started opening my eyes again to, oh, real estate maybe is a good idea. Maybe it is cool. And the gentleman who wrote it, his name is Robert Sheeman. He had a chapter on there about lease options, which got me excited. Like, oh, I can actually now lease my properties to somebody who wants to buy them. They're going to take better care of it. So that kind of started me on this journey. I started buying houses using traditional bank financing until I couldn't buy any more. And then I started buying houses with owner financing or subject to where I was taking over mortgages. Then the market crashed and I almost lost my shorts. I did lose my shorts lost my shorts during the crash. And it was about 2009 that I started really focusing on wholesaling. Well, actually, it was 2008. I started focusing on wholesaling. I was hemorrhaging cash on my properties and stuff like that. And so I needed quick infusions of cash. I started wholesaling and I started doing some lease options. And in 2009, I was able to quit my job because I was making more money wholesaling and doing lease options part-time than I was in my full-time job. And I was doing about 80 grand a year in my engineering job, which wasn't bad. So three months consistently, I was making more money doing the real estate stuff. So that's when I quit my job. And it's been almost 10 years. It's crazy to think about that. Wow. That's an impressive story. Now, are you doing mostly lease options still to this day? A mixture of a lot of things, really. Wholesaling, traditional wholesaling. Like we're wholesaling a bunch of properties right now down in Alabama, about five to 10 a month. 
So what we mean by wholesaling, in case people don't know, is like- Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I was going to actually start with the lease options, but let's start wherever you want, wholesaling or lease options. Well, they're kind of both. Like I tell people all the time, like, first of all, we're not real estate investors. We're marketers, right? We're not in the real estate business. We're in the marketing business. No matter what kind of real estate you're doing, you are primarily a marketer who does real estate investing. You're not a real estate investor who does marketing. There's a big difference because- one of the things I learned early on where it finally started clicking and making sense was like leads are the lifeblood of your business. Whether you're getting deals off the MLS or whether you're doing direct to seller marketing, what? Like you've always got to have some marketing going out the door, whether it's for sellers or for buyers. So we're in the marketing business. And I really started focusing on marketing. Well, so whether I'm doing wholesaling or lease options, I'm looking for motivated sellers. That's what my focus is. I'm looking for distressed sellers that have some equity, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot, I don't know, but like distressed sellers that need to sell, not just want to sell, right? So I have a huge marketing engine that's always out there for me and my clients doing tons and tons of marketing, getting lots and lots of leads in, and we make a lot of offers. And so if a deal comes in that has equity, I'm going to make a cash offer on it and I'll wholesale it. If it doesn't have much equity, I might do a lease option on it where I will either stay in the middle for the cash flow or I'll just assign or wholesale the lease option and get out of the deal, make a quick five to 10 grand. Well, it's that time of year again, tax season. And if you're like me, you're busy pulling together all of the documentation for your properties. So many receipts, organizing your income and expenses and creating reports. With the tax reform this past year, there are lots of changes that directly impact investors like us. Are you maximizing your deductions? Are you using the right strategies? Our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you keep more of your hard-earned dollars in your pocket. I love this guide because it's full of actionable strategies you can use on your return, and it helps you to optimize your strategy for 2019. It's hands down the best advice I've seen on rental property taxes. Get your copy of the guide when you sign up for a free Stessa account. Stessa is an essential and really cool tool that every rental property owner needs. It helps you track, manage, and communicate the performance of your real estate investments. To get your copy of the Rental Property Tax Guide, head over to stessa.com forward slash P-R-E-I taxes and sign up for a free Stessa account to track your rentals. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash P-R-E-I taxes. So let me interject for a moment. I don't want to make the assumption that everybody listening to this understands what we mean by wholesaling. So wholesaling is one of those things that coaches and gurus are always telling you, start there. Why? Because it's an easy place to start, although I disagree with them, but it's the easy place to start. And it's often referred to as the quote unquote, fast cash approach to investing. And the benefit is that there's no financing involved when you're wholesaling, but let's clearly define what is wholesaling. Okay. Wholesaling is when you get a property under contract and then you flip that contract to somebody else. That's it. So I find a property that's at 60, 70 cents on the dollar, and I'm going to then sell that contract for a fee. So I'll either double close or I'll do an assignment. I'll sell that contract for five to 10 grand to another investor that's either going to fix it up and then sell it, or maybe a landlord that's going to buy and hold it. So the deals that we're doing in Birmingham right now, we are selling them to turnkey providers who are then in turn fixing it up, and then either renting it out, or maybe they're fixing it up and selling it to other investors that are going to hold it. So we're buying cheap and we're selling cheap. So there's still a lot of room left for 
the end buyer. So there's a lot of different types of investing. The investors that I'm sure are probably listening to this podcast, the buy and hold investors, they need wholesalers because wholesalers go directly to the seller. Sometimes it's called guerrilla warfare or guerrilla marketing or whatever. Like we're going directly to the sellers instead of to the MLS, instead of going to banks, we're doing a lot of direct mail. We're doing a lot of cold calling. We're doing a lot of Google pay-per-click and Facebook ads. And we're going directly to the sellers. We're talking to them on the phone. We're negotiating deals. Sometimes we'll go to the house and these are trash properties and we buy them super cheap. That's it. So wholesaling is getting a property under a contract where we've got 30, 45 days to close. Sometimes we close on it, but most of the time we will sell that contract to another investor. And when I was first getting started, I didn't like wholesaling either. I didn't think it was sexy. I thought, oh, that's just for the beginners. That's for the get rich quick, late night scammers. And I really had a negative view of it. But when my back was against the wall in 2007 and eight, and I was hemorrhaged, like I had these, all these properties and tons of vacancies. And it's just a long story. Like I needed the fast cash. And so I kind of humbled myself. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn wholesaling. And I bought one more course and I said, I'm going to just do what this guy says. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to trust the system and do what he says. I didn't like his postcards. I thought they were ugly. I didn't like his scripts. I thought they were offensive. And you know, I didn't like the fact that his offers were so ridiculously low. And I didn't like the contracts because I thought they were too simple and, and amateurish. But I said, I had no choice. Like I needed to make money and fast. It wasn't enough for me to buy a rental property and get a couple $300 a month in cash flow. Like I needed five grand, I needed 10 grand of cash like immediately. So I started wholesaling. And let me just tell you my story real quick of my first deal. I sent some postcards to a lady. She called me. It was a house that was not even in an area I was interested in, it was way out in the sticks. If anybody in St. Louis are familiar with it, it was in an area west of Warrington, which is probably an hour to an hour and a half to downtown St. Louis. And I didn't have any investors out there. She called me and was begging me to buy her home. And I was ignoring her. After her calling me like four times, finally, I answered her phone call. She said, please make an offer on my house. I was like, it's a three family. It needed a lot of work. All of the tenants are on a month to month lease. I didn't have any buyers out there. And I couldn't find any comps. And so I saw that it had expired the year before for about $140,000. She had it listed for $140,000 and it wouldn't, couldn't sell. So I said, ma'am, I'll offer you 50 grand. And she said, okay. I was like, what? This is my first time this has ever happened. I couldn't believe it. And now I'm petrified. I'm scared. I'm freaked out because she was an elderly lady too. And I didn't want to be accused of taking advantage of an elderly lady. So I made sure that I had her son with us when we signed the contract. I pulled out all of my old courses that I bought and I looked at all the contingencies and I wrote down all the contingencies I could find. They probably contradicted each other on the contract and I had this big, long five-page contract. I sat down with her and I wanted to meet her in a public place, right? So there would be other people there. And she signed it, didn't even read it. 50 grand. And I was like, wow, are you sure? I asked her, are you sure? She said, yeah, I need this money now. I hate the property. I want to get rid of it. I don't care about it anymore. She tried selling it with the realtor. She couldn't. She just wanted to get rid of it. And her son was with her. Her son was cool with it. It's like, okay. So I stuck a sign out in the yard. I advertised it for $65,000. I bought it for 50 and I was selling it for 65 and got started getting flooded with calls. It's like, this is crazy. So the first guy who called me, it was a realtor. And I'm thinking, oh no, a realtor is involved, right? 
He said, Joe, I have somebody who wants to buy this. I said, uh, well, I want to be open and honest. And I got to tell you something. I don't actually own the property. I just have it under contract and I have it under contract for 50. And he's like, that's ah, okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he goes, my buyer wants it and uh, he's going to pay cash. There's no, there won't be any banks involved. And I said, are you sure? And he says, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, I don't have any title companies out in this area. Like he said, well, we'll just use ours. I said, well, can I have their number so I can call them? So I called the title company and I said, hey, I got to tell you, I got this property. I don't even own it yet. I have it under contract for 50 and this guy wants to buy it for 65. Is that okay? The title company's like, yeah, relax, chill out. It's okay. So throughout the whole process, after my closing costs and fees and stuff like that, I walked away with like 12,500 bucks, something like that and change. And I could not believe it. I was so excited because I'd seen all those gurus speak on stage at boot camps and events and showing checks on their slides. And I was thinking, that's such a scam. There's no way. That's ridiculous. And here, I just made $12,500 on a deal that I made every mistake possible. She was begging me to buy her house. I didn't have comps. I didn't have contracts. I didn't understand what to do. I didn't have a title company. I was so freaked out about like, is double closing illegal or assignments illegal? Can I really wholesale a deal when there's realtors involved? Like, but I was just so determined. I had to figure it out. I had to do it. And so that's when I got excited about wholesaling. And later on, if you want, I can tell you about how I kind of started doing lease options as well. But I'm a big fan of wholesaling. It is active investing. I tell people all the time, like, you should use your wholesaling money, your profits to buy passive real estate investing properties, right? Because if you stop wholesaling, you stop making money. Well, I tell wholesalers all the time, like, you need to take the profits, save them up and start buying real long-term wealth building, cash flowing real estate, because that's how you build long-term wealth, right? I think wholesaling, I don't look down on it like I used to. I think it's a wonderful way for people to get started. It is work. It's not easy. Nothing's easy in this business. But I know, man, I'm telling you, I've been in this for a long time. I've coached literally thousands of people through my podcasts and my books and stuff like that who are doing deals and are making great money. Hopefully, they're wholesaling these deals to buy long-term cash flowing rentals. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not talking too much, Marco. No, no, it makes perfect sense. And that's a great story. I just had all these thoughts going through my head as you were talking about this stuff. The first thing I want to say is, and, and this is no disrespect, but you sound like the accidental wholesaler. In fact, if you want a great idea for a book, you should call it the accidental wholesaler. That's a great idea. Well, there, thanks. Yeah, no charge on that one. <laughs> So, but essentially that's what you just described. It's like you jumped in head first. You didn't really know how to do it. And wholesaling, as you describe it, well, as we know it, you and I, it's kind of a fundamental building block because it's kind of the beginning of the food chain. You're out there. You don't need a lot of cash or capital necessarily. Sometimes you do. Maybe today you need more than you did in the past just because we're in a seller's market. But wholesaling is kind of that fundamental building block where you find that distressed seller or distressed property and you get it at a discount. So there's meat on the bone. There's, you take a little bit yourself, then you sell it and pass it on. But here's the key distinction. This is for the audience listening here is when you're wholesaling, you never take title to the property. You technically don't own and never own that property. What you have is a contract on that property and you're selling the contract to someone else for a relatively small fee. It could be $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. But essentially you're selling the contract to someone else who's going to now take that property, take title to that property. And now fix it and keep it or fix it and flip it. Yeah. Let me clarify that too, because in some states, it's a little tricky to do that. 
So without a real estate license, now I do have my real estate license. I recommend to people all the time, you consider it seriously getting a real estate license. So if you are wholesaling, sometimes you need to close on it and you can use transactional funding if you needed to. So you close on it and then a minute later you sell it, right? So you're buying it for sale by owner and then you're selling it for sale by owner. So there's a lot of nuances and we can go into that at another time if you want, but you're right. Sometimes, most of the time, I just assign my contract or I do a double close. Sometimes though, I need to actually close on it with my own money or a private investor's money or transactional hard money, right? And then turn around immediately, sell it like that. Yeah, no, you explained it well. The double close is the lingo or the industry jargon for it, where essentially you're buying and closing and reselling and closing on the same day. It happens in the same afternoon. And for the listeners to know, the beautiful thing about that is in most cases, you don't have to record that deed in public records. Yes, you took title to it for five minutes, (laughs) but it doesn't necessarily show up in public records. So that's wholesaling. I think we kind of beat that horse enough. Let's kind of escalate from there and go to, let's say, flipping. So now you've got this deal. Oh, by the way, I want to make a comment. So the thing with something you said with wholesaling is you said that if you stop wholesaling, you stop your income stream. And I refer to that as you lose those chunks of cash. So when you put in the sweat equity to do a wholesale deal, you're creating chunks of cash. And your advice is great advice. I say it all the time. If you're going to create chunks of cash, turn it into streams of cash. In other words, reinvest it into buy and hold properties where you have cash flow coming in every month and you can create wealth. You can create some real wealth for yourself. So those are the streams of cash that is, in my opinion, your ultimate goal. And that becomes the passive real estate investing of the spectrum, even though you may have started like you did as an accidental wholesaler (laughs) with active real estate investing. Yeah, that's good. That's long-term thinking. Totally is. It's a strategy. Yeah. Because really, if you had zero debt and you had all your expenses, like really, if you had zero debt, do you know how comfortable you can live on $100,000 a year? eight or nine grand a month, really, really comfortably. And how many properties do you need to get to that? If you just bought one property a month, maybe a couple, three properties a year, and you could get there in 10, 15 years. It's so much easier to build passive income with real estate than it is on any other type of business. And that's why I love this so much. It's way easier than the stock market. And it's way easier than all the different types of life insurance and things like that that you could invest in. Real estate, there's so many advantages to it that you can't get anywhere else. MC Lobsher from Producers Wealth has helped his clients find money they didn't even know they had and showed them how to use it to save and invest in real estate at the same time through the infinite banking concept. You can watch a free webinar on the strategy and download a free cash flow audit guide to find the money you already have but are unknowingly losing every day at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Check it out today. So for the sake of comparison and contrasting things, so we started off with talking about wholesaling, and that's typically something where you have or need relatively minimal amounts of capital and relatively speaking, a minimal amount of knowledge. In fact, (laughs) I hate to keep using your example but you kind of painted the example for that where you stumbled into wholesaling. But let's compare that to flipping because with flipping, you're going to need more capital. It's more capital intensive and it requires a lot more knowledge. Would you say flipping is the most common form of active real estate investing, if you want to call it investing? 
Well, this is my opinion only. Now, when you say flipping, you're talking about buying a house, fixing it up, and then reselling it on the right, MLS. Right, right. Yeah, because you're going to find a distressed asset, whether from a wholesaler or on your own. You're going to get it somewhere. But then what do you do with it? A lot of people will say, hey, I'm going to fix it up and then keep it or fix it up and sell it. And that's flipping. That's what you see on HGTV and a lot of these other places. I don't like flipping at all. Okay. I remember what I was going to say earlier. When I'm advertising a wholesale deal, I'm marketing the contract, not the house. I wanted to clarify that. You're marketing the contract, not the house. But when it comes to flipping, like I've rehabbed two houses, lost money on both of them. I I don't like rehabbing at all. And I have so many friends that have done rehabbing and have quit and given up and gone to something else. When you're rehabbing a house, it's like adult daycare. There are so many problems that can happen. You're managing contractors. You're managing the expectations of realtors and buyers, inspectors, and there's so many banks. There's so many different moving parts. Like what I tell people all the time is in that three to six months that you're fixing that property and then reselling it and making 30, 40 grand, that's good. That's awesome. Even 50. But during that time, you could have wholesaled five, six properties and made the same amount of profit or more with a lot less hassle, a lot less money at risk, not having to deal with picky buyers who are inspecting it and then dealing with inspectors, dealing with title companies, dealing with the city, dealing with realtors, and then all of the contractors, the funding, the cost for the borrowing the money. Now, it is for some people, and I get it. And I know people that are doing really well with rehabbing, but I know way more people that are like done with rehabbing because it's just so much easier to wholesale a property. So my advice is like, there is money to be made in rehabbing or flipping, but you better make sure you know what you're doing and you better have access to cheap money because you can get wiped out with carrying costs. If your property doesn't sell in two or three months, like you had budgeted for, like I know people right now that they've gotten fat and happy and they were used to their property selling quickly with multiple offers the first day it came on the market. Now they're sitting on three to four months and they're freaking out because it wasn't selling. It's not selling as quickly as it used to. So that's my two cents. Yeah, I agree. And I've been there myself. I've flipped a lot of properties. I've gotten stuck with many of them where I had to sell at a loss. So it's not fun. I say it's a lot of brain damage. But you use the term flipping and and rehabbing or renovations interchangeably. And often they are used interchangeably because if you're going to flip a property, it's implied that you're flipping a property, not a contract. Yeah. I don't want to dive into the technical details. When you're wholesaling though, if you don't have a license, which I recommend getting one, but if you don't, you need to be careful. You need to have the means and the intent of actually buying that property. Okay. And if you decide, yeah, you know what? I don't want to buy it. Then you're selling the contract. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm glad you brought that up. It's fine to bring up that level of detail because it's easy to miss that kind of stuff and you can get into uh, trouble if you don't follow through on that. So, okay. So you don't like flipping property, like renovating and flipping property. I get that. Not for me. But that's the thing that TV has made look so juicy and sexy and it's kind of the rage. It's like, oh, let's buy a property, fix it up and sell it or flip it. Well, for us wholesalers, it's great. The more people watch those shows, the better the more I can sell my properties to them for a higher price. But it's very hard to do what those guys on TV are doing. And what they don't show you many times are all of the costs and the headaches involved in the longer process. It's always going to be twice as much as you think it was going to cost. It's going to take you twice as long to sell it as you thought it it would take. So, But you can also make mistakes wholesaling. You could also buy incorrectly where you don't have enough margin for the person who wants to buy it. Now you have to 
lower your profit, your wholesaling fee, or maybe take no fee or hopefully not take a loss on it? The way I like to do it is I usually get a two to three week inspection contingency, right? And during that two or three weeks, I can find out pretty quickly whether it's a good enough deal to wholesale or not. Okay. And if it's not, then my numbers are wrong. I can go back to the seller, either cancel the contract because I'm in the contingency window or renegotiate a lower price. Now, if it comes to a point where I thought it was a good deal and I couldn't sell it, then yeah, I better close on it. You can't just walk away from a deal like that. But I usually will know within the first two to three weeks whether I can wholesale that deal or not. This is the end of part one of active real estate investing with Joe McCall. We went real long on this episode, so I decided to chop it into two 30-minute parts. So just head on over to part two to continue this interview. And again, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. I know that about one third of our listeners just listen episode to episode. They don't actually subscribe. I see that in the show stats. So don't think I don't know. Haha. <laughs> anyway, if you have any questions about real estate investing, just go to PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. Hit the Ask Marco button. And if you have any questions, just send that over to me. Download our free report, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. Great primer for you, no charge. And of course, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.